Hello and welcome to an episode of The Wilderness Mind, a podcast celebrating all things nature and well-being. I'm your host, JK McCright, owner and founder of Weather Mind Grace, coaching and facilitation for individuals and teams looking to enhance their mental health and well-being and doing this through connection with nature. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of The Wilderness Mind and today's topic of discussion is around grief and how nature, nature connectedness, relating to and with nature can help us and be a platform for processing um, grief, being with grief and moving yourself through that life experience in some way. Now, of course, if you're personally affected by the experience of grief right now, this might be a topic that feels really important and integral to you. It might be something that feels quite vulnerable for you, and you may choose to dip into this at a later stage. So I wanted to start by really exploring what I mean by the parameters of grief that we're going to be discussing, the context of grief, because it's a huge word for an even bigger experience that's very unique to us. And though we have some common traits, and you might find that if you're in a place of grief and mourning, that you find similarities through peers or through reading, or even listening to this podcast, it's important to acknowledge that our, our experience is unique to us and the way in which we navigate grief is not going to be linear, it's not going to be process driven and it really is that kind of organic experience or journey through to finding a place that feels a little bit more comfortable. So when I'm talking about grief today, it might be in the context that you're hearing it around death of a loved one or a family member or friend or it may even be in the loss or grieving of a part of you or a moment in your life that has significantly changed and you've experienced a form of grief in that way. It could even be and I'm seeing this more and more often that you're grieving about the wider social situations of the world, the universe even, be that to do with sort of environmental impact or even political impact with changes even with the sort of prior to covid life versus where we are now it's very common that when a significant change happens for us in society whether on a personal level or on a community or even global level that you might experience some feelings of grief about that So some of the ways that you might find grief being familiar for you now, you might be in that shock or the numbness of trying to make the change in reality, that shift between something being there and then suddenly being lost. 
into a tangible experience for you and the head just really struggles to process and, and get round this and so often we can feel sort of numb, detached, shocked in some way and often it might be that you're sort of led to that searching for that person or that thing that you feel has been taken from your life in some way and you are, are just you know tracking thoughts in your mind visions trying to pull out that experience of what actually felt like the reality for you but now there is a gap for you as well to try to find that connection with that particular thing or person or feeling and being really preoccupied with just trying to just shine a sort of torch beam on it and find its location. Now of course that when we're in the grieving process things can get a little bit muddled and hazy and confused. It can lead to massive overwhelm and feelings of despair or depression because suddenly you're faced with a reality that really is not the one that you want and so trying to find and you know muddle or or even like actually your your mind and your heart's desire to leave everything unmuddled because you just can't make sense of that particular reality and on the flip side of that it may be that you're in the zone where really just need to be in a place of control and focus on the things that you can control and that leads you to you know getting stuck in being process driven being proactive you might even feel like it's a sort of temporary distraction to be more productive in processes in reorganizing in in sort of that feeling of I must, you know, I need to move on, I've got to get past this and move out of the feelings and the experiences that you're having when you're experiencing loss and and grief. So these are just some of the ways and experiences or processes that you might be taking on right now to help you through. And remember for some of us, it might be that the yearning is to be alone and isolated and away from everything else, uh, maybe everything else that's kind of just getting on with life, or it may be that the fear of being alone, having had this really significant change in your life, is uh, driving you to feel the need to be around people. You know, you might be feeling fear or uh, panic in some way as you go through these different elements of grief. Now, you might already be familiar with uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's process of grief. And she talks about there being like five stages. And I really do believe that, you know, grief is by no means a linear path. It's not go through it and here's step one, here's step two, here's step three, and you're out the other side. That just like the meandering and wandering paths in a woodland or on a mountainside, that really our experiences of grief can chop and change in many different directions. But Kubler-Ross kind of highlights five stages that we might go through and you might be able to recognise these in some of your own 
experiences so far or these might be um, processes and feelings and experiences that you go through in the future as you begin to really explore grief at the many different angles that it can take us to in our um, experience of it. So the five stages are denial, so kind of um, not accepting that either the loss is going to happen for you or even just kind of that searching, that checking in, trying to find that person or, you know, um, just deny the fact that the loss has occurred. Of course, it's completely natural that you feel angry and resentful and frustrated either at the feelings that you have and how stuck you feel with grief. Or maybe it's about uh, the anger that the world has taken this part or this person away from you. Kubler-Ross also talks about a bargaining stage. It might be that you're bargaining, like if I do this, maybe this person will live. Or perhaps if I go back to this relationship, I'll get this part of me back, for example, that feels like a loss. Um, And afterwards, you know, bargaining uh, behaviours might come out as well. And it's completely uh, probably expected that there's a moment where you might experience depression and low mood. Um, going into that area of of despair and just wanting, just yearning for um, a place where you're back in that reality that you had before the loss um, and the mourning began. And, you know, there's a beautiful metaphor that comes from depression. You know, if you hear the word, we are in the depression, we are really in that stage of the, of the emotions of you know fatigue and low motivation and just massive cloudy skies you know within our minds that you literally are in a depression you know it's like digging a pit in the ground and being in it and having no access to the light or you know the panorama that you would see if you if you were in a space of reality that felt like it was moving forward for you and you know the only thing you can do in this pit is wander from side to side and look at the dark walls and look up and not really know how to get yourself out of that and so that depressive stage can feel really stuck might feel quite isolating because ultimately you've probably not got anyone else in the depression at the same time as you And Kubler-Ross's fifth stage talks about acceptance and how you experience your acceptance will be very different for every single person. And, you know, I think that um, that might mean that the, the feelings kind of go away or they're less accessible for you. It might mean that you accept how that loss is relevant in your life. So you move more into the memorial um, and the celebratory part of accepting that that person or that thing was in your life at one point. But, um, you know, you have all these wonderful memories or there's perhaps an heirloom that represents that person or maybe 
the um, it's facilitated an ability to be able to do things that you you know you know would make that person proud or you've never dreamed of happening for you and being able to you know we use language like move on or move forward from that and, and feel that you're in a place maybe where there's a little bit more control over feeling and a little bit more hope it's a little bit more clarity in the direction of how you can move on into a new phase of your life um, alongside that grief. So, um, you know, I will often ask clients, if grief was a person, who would they be? What would they look like if they turned up for dinner? And, you know, this in itself can render some quite significant emotions and give you some clues about where you might be in those five stages of Kubler-Ross. You know, ask yourself that now, if grief was a person, who would they be? And for some of us, it might be that there's some shadow figure that you know, haunts us in some way and, and traps us. It might be that they're a heavy, drunken lout that turns up and, and ruins the party, you know, ruins the aspects of our life as you as you try to move on with things as well. It might be that they are actually a comforting friend, a companion for you that keeps you safe and understands you in your personal journey through grief. So, you know, there we are, a summary of grief and its complexities and by far, no means every angle am I going to cover that unique and complex and confusing muddle of um, what grief is for any one of, of you at any given time. But I wanted to talk about nature and how I really, from a personal level and a professional level, I really see how nature has become something that maybe we can benefit from in your grief stories and your grief processes and how you might like to utilise time with nature if you're not already doing that to help you with that healing process that recovery whatever you want to call it even just the acceptance and allowance of having a space to um, breathe now you know we know that um actually the the natural world in its own form there's research that says that you know animals will like humans will breathe too uh, a, a man called Mark Beekoff um, or Beckoff, so he's a professor in ecology, and he has observed and researched, you know, how nature kind of uh, responds to grief and death and, and, and mourning. And some of the examples that he uh, talks about in his research include, you know, sea lion mothers uh, who squeal like eerily when they watch their babies being killed or eaten by whales. Um, elephants that stand guard at stillborn babies for days, hanging their heads in mourning, you know, or orphaned elephants watching their mothers killed and waking up screaming. These are real, you know, evidence that we we are not alone in our process of an experience of grief and the love and the connection and the attachment that comes with a person or a part of us or a change that distorts outside of our expected reality in some way. You know, even turn to wolves who, you know, sniff 
um, and sit back and, and watch and observe a, di- a dying companion. Um, and there's plenty more experiences um, of animals kind of mourning in terms of that as well. And 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 Paul Wilner, um, who also researched animal uh, grieving, came up with this 18 uh, animal models of depression. So evidencing that actually even an animal can be inflected by uh, significant changes in life that maybe equate to loss or that shift in what you imagined your reality to be and then the absence of that thing or person um, in that as well. So, you know, just in knowing that we're not unique in our grieving process, it aligns the fact that we can turn to nature to understand and uh, hold a space for grief for us really Um, and any of you who are grieving at the moment will probably feel that real juxtaposition of both vast wilderness and containment sort of um, like a bubbling pressure pot in some way Um, so looking out onto a horizon that just is is unknown and kind of maybe yearning for that space needing that space to expand and let that grief out and let it kind of explore and and wander in a physical space or maybe you're just in such an intense experience of a particular emotion like depression or sadness or confusion that you feel like you're you're you can't actually contain these emotions anymore and so to go out into the wilderness and have that space to be held in some way and processing can be really helpful i'm thinking even um if you've seen or i highly recommend seeing or reading uh, the book wild by cheryl strayed it was played by reese witherspoon um, in a film adaptation in 2012 and the the sort of summary the plot summary of that without giving too much away is this you know Reese Witherspoon's character has um, experienced a grief and takes herself on the Pacific Crest Trail um, sort of in a, a spiritual grieving pilgrimage in some way I guess to try and make sense of everything to, to move on to walk it out and this is a you know a tradition in going into various tribes and cultures is that actually in the space of mourning that people might uh, walk you know and process walking um, process the grief in that way and that's something that you might like to practice for yourself using a walk to just allow you to, you to be in with no expectations to be with the grief and um, process that through. I know that on a personal level this has been something that's been really helpful for me so um, after my dad passed away four years ago I needed nature in my life even more than ever before really it had that expansive and immersive um, place and setting for me to just be like what the hell is going on like where this does not make sense in my reality and um you know to walk through and suddenly realize that my partner is probably a good 100 300 yards away from me sometimes um <clears throat> and 
you know, that I'd just been in the thought, like just letting the thoughts flow and process and almost escape out into the air and, and not be contained anymore. And I wouldn't be able to tell you what those thoughts were, but I knew that at the time they were a significant way for me to like feel like I was moving forward just metaphorically and physically moving and being active and not just kind of containing myself to uh, my house or my room in one way and it enabled me to weave through you know journeys and connections and memories that I had of um, him but also kind of held that space then for those emotions and those stages so you know some of the ways that you might want to um explore and use nature in grief that I think can be really helpful for you is I do encourage you alongside the kind of journey the process the taking the path forward metaphors of, of walking and being in silence and just not really having to take anything in just passing through nature of course that's really helpful but again another part is to sit with uh, nature and, and be with you know sometimes you might find that it's helpful to be with grief and uh, sit and maybe do an observation exercise so simply sitting uh, on the floor of a a woodland or on a trunk of a tree or leaning against uh, a fence or even looking out of your window and just observing and finding the right metaphors and relations that help you with your image of grief so by this, um, what I mean is we can we can relate with nature. We can find uh, imagery, symbolism that can really, really help us to find a sort of narrative for our language of grief. You know, you just look to the natural world and it, ho- it wholly uh, represents life and death, that journey that, you know, the images of growth, of regeneration, of um community in some way of expansion and and family all of these things we can witness in um in a woodland or a natural setting in some way you know and um to escape the sort of busyness of an urban setting perhaps and go and find uh, a quiet and still spot near a, a river or a lake or by the the ocean or in a woodland or mountainside these real core elements of nature can be so helpful in just observing and relating ourselves to messages of growth or even just noticing how um, the forest is replenishing itself and the journey of the different trees and um, generational kind of journeys and stories that are reflected just as you start to observe it it also helps in some way us to notice life um, and and growth and existence and um, finding those that meaning of um, of of how we move on, how we create and um, exist in life. Now that might be a painful process for you, but in the pain you might find that there's also some healing that can happen through that time so we only have to look to nature 
to find I guess answers in terms of how you might process or relate or find symbolism um, in relation to your grief so I think some of the two really great places to kind of go and sit and be with in nature for me would be like a woodland space or by a mass of water now the reason I say like a mass of water like a lake or an ocean in some way is that water in itself has a lot of connotations towards emotion you know it is it is a current it is motion and in finding our connection with them and connecting with the imagery you might find a relatedness so an understanding that is gleaned where you feel just slightly less alone um, or less isolated or more understood and that might seem like quite an abstract idea to you now um, or you might have already found that just by being in that space can be really uh, soothing and healing for you as you allow your thoughts to kind of um, collect. Now woodland of course I have massive bias about woodland being one of the favorite places to go and sort out any type of emotion and I really would encourage you to go and sit within a woodland space somewhere now if this is something that you're unfamiliar um, with as a sort of practice either in, in your grief so far or um, you know it's not something that you've done in life before it might feel like a bit of a weird or profound um, aspect to go and just go and find a, a trunk or somewhere to sit in, in a woodland space and just observe. Now, I have worked with a client who just in that simple process of finding and observing just a even small space of the woodland, they were able to relate to their circumstances in some way, finding a old sort of aging tree that had begin to fall apart to rot you know it was very much representing that kind of that past that death in some way of kind of you know moving on through life but around it she uh, related to the trees that were growing and how they were significant in really depicting her family circumstances from small sapling trees uh, that collected that represent the, the children within the family uh, through to those uh, adult trees and drawing on the different qualities to describe you know this person's more expansive and adventurous and you know this this tree's um, sort of cowering over um, the old aged tree wanting to uh, get all the nutrients out of it you know and, and, and using that to explore the, the dynamics that were going on in her family and the grieving process that were going on in the family and, and how she could relate to that and uh, yeah I, I think that in the natural world you know um, even looking at trees so as they grow old they uh, begin to recognise that they can no longer sustain and replenish the the canopy of them and, and they begin to get older and tired of, um, with with life I guess and existing and and uh, begin to uh, store and restore the energies down at the base of their trunk in some way and the top branches will start to fall off and obviously decompose and enrich the soil around them and slowly over time the wind blows parts of them away they mother trunk their skin uh the bark 
might become more dilapidated um, and and over time they sort of become more disheveled um, until they finally either snap or fall or cease to really generate um, and and live um, in the woodland and you know they there's saplings around them the younger trees as they do this and recognize that this particular tree is as as ceased they're really um thriving off the legacy of that and you know you could, we could look at this in a really horrific and kind of brutal way but i invite you to kind of look at how when there is an old and fallen tree in a woodland how that legacy of that tree enables those newer uh, younger trees um, or surrounding trees around it to begin to uh, grow and thrive and and you know benefit from the nutrients and it enriches the forest floor and I just think this is a beautiful way of looking at how you know the stories of people that have passed in our lives is just so important in own legacy and storytelling and how we can you know thrive off the qualities that we've learned from that person or maybe even thrive in the opposite direction so if you've had some kind of challenging relationship with that person before passing that actually using that legacy in some way to motivate you to uh, become a different person so you could use it both ways but legacy and the storytelling of that Passing a morning, you know, is, is an integral part of it and how that person's life or, or, this, or the part of us that we've lost was purposeful or meaningful in your life at some point can be really, really um, powerful to kind of look at and explore as well. So we only have to look to nature to find, I guess, answers in terms of how you might process or relate or find symbolism um, in relation to your grief. So I think some of the two really great places to kind of go and sit and be with in nature for me would be like a woodland space or by a mass of water. Now, the reason I say like a mass of water, like a lake or an ocean in some way, is that water in itself has a lot of connotations towards emotion. You know, it is, it is a current, it is motion. And in finding our connection with that and connecting with the imagery, you might find a relatedness, so an understanding that is gleaned where you feel just slightly less alone. Um, or less isolated or more understood and that might seem like quite an abstract idea to you now Um, or you might have already found that just by being in that space can be really uh, soothing and healing for you as you allow your thoughts to kind of um, collect. Now woodland of course I have massive bias about woodland being one of the favourite places to go and sort out any type of emotion and I really would encourage you to go and sit within a woodland space somewhere. Now, if this is something that you're unfamiliar um, with as a sort of practice, either in in your grief so far, or, um, you know, it's not something that you've done in life before, it might feel like a bit of a weird or profound um, aspect to go and just go and find a a trunk or somewhere to sit in, in a woodland space and 
just observe now I have worked with a client who just in that simple process of finding and observing just a even small space of the woodland they were able to relate to their circumstances in some way finding a old sort of aging tree that had begun to fall apart to rot you know it was very much representing that kind of that past that death in some way of kind of you know moving on through life but around it she uh, related to the trees that were growing and how they were significant in really depicting her family circumstances from small sapling trees uh, that collected that represent the, the children within the family uh, through to those uh, adult trees and drawing on the different qualities to describe you know this person's more expansive and adventurous and you know this this tree's um, sort of cowering over um, the old aged tree wanting to uh, get all the nutrients out of it you know and, and, and using that to explore the, the dynamics that were going on in the family and the grieving process that were going on in the family and and how she could relate to that and uh, yeah I, I think that in the natural world you know um, even looking at trees so as they grow old they uh, begin to recognize that they can no longer sustain and replenish the the canopy of them and, and they begin to get older and tired out, um, with with life I guess and existing and and uh, begin to uh, store and restore the energies down at the base of their trunk in some way and the top branches will start to fall off and obviously decompose and enrich the soil around them and slowly over time the wind blows parts of them away they, their trunk, their skin, uh, the bark might become more dilapidated um, and, and over time they sort of uh, become more dishevelled um, until they finally either snap or fall or cease to really generate um, and, and live um, in the woodland and you know they the saplings around them, the younger trees, as they do this and recognise that this particular tree has has, has ceased, they're really um, thriving off the legacy of that. And you know, you could, we could look at this in a really horrific and kind of brutal way, but I invite you to kind of look at how, when there is an old fallen tree in a woodland, how that legacy of that tree enables those newer uh, younger trees um, or surrounding trees around it to begin to uh, grow and thrive and and you know benefit from the nutrients and it enriches the forest floor and I just think this is a beautiful way of looking at how you know the stories of people that have passed in our lives is just so important in own legacy and storytelling and how we can you know thrive off the qualities that we've learned from that person or maybe even thrive in the opposite direction so if you've had some kind of challenging relationship with that person before passing that actually using that legacy in some way to motivate you to uh, become a different person so you could use it both ways but legacy and the storytelling of that Passing a morning, you know, is, is an integral part of it and how that person's life or, or, this, or the part of us that we've lost was purposeful or 
meaningful in your life at some point can be really really um, powerful to kind of look at and explore as well so we only have to look to nature to find I guess answers in terms of how you might process or relate or find symbolism um, in relation to your grief so I think some of the two really great places to kind of go and sit and be with in nature for me would be like a woodland space or by a mass of water now the reason I say like a mass of water like a lake or an ocean in some way is that water in itself has a lot of connotations towards emotion you know it is it is a current it is motion and in finding our connection with that and connecting with the imagery you might find a relatedness so an understanding that is gleaned where you feel just slightly less alone um or less isolated or more understood and that might seem like quite an abstract idea to you now um or you might have already found that just by being in that space can be really uh, soothing and healing for you as you allow your thoughts to kind of um, collect. Now, woodland, of course, I have massive bias about woodland being one of the favourite places to go and sort out any type of emotion. And I really would encourage you to go and sit within a woodland space somewhere. Now, if this is something that you're unfamiliar with, um, with as a sort of practice either in, in your grief so far or um, you know it's not something that you've done in life before it might feel like a bit of a weird or profound um, aspect to go and just go and find a, a trunk or somewhere to sit in, in a woodland space and just observe now I have worked with a client who just in that simple process of finding and observing just a even small space of the woodland they were able to relate to their circumstances in some way finding a old sort of aging tree that had begun to fall apart to rot you know it was very much representing that kind of that past that death in some way of kind of you know moving on through life but around it she uh, related to the trees that were growing and how they were significant in really depicting her family circumstances from small sapling trees uh, that collected that represent the, the children within the family uh, through to those uh, adult trees and drawing on the different qualities to describe you know this person's more expansive and adventurous and you know this this tree's um, sort of cowering over Um, the old aged tree wanting to uh, get all the nutrients out of it you know and and, and using that to explore the the dynamics that were going on in her family and the grieving process that were going on in the family and and how she could relate to that and uh, yeah I I think that in the natural world you know um, even looking at trees so as they grow old they uh, begin to recognize that they can no longer sustain and replenish the the canopy of them and, and they begin to get older and tired of, um, with with life I guess and existing and and uh, begin to uh, 
store and restore the energies down at the base of their trunk in some way and the top branches will start to fall off and obviously decompose and enrich the soil around them and slowly over time the wind blows parts of them away they mother trunk their skin uh, the bark might become more dilapidated um, and and over time they sort of become more disheveled um, until they finally either snap or fall or cease to really generate um, and and live um, in the woodland and you know they the saplings around them the younger trees as they do this and recognize that this particular tree is as as ceased they're really um thriving off the legacy of that and you know you could, we could look at this in a really horrific and kind of brutal way but i invite you to kind of look at how when there is an old and fallen tree in a woodland how that legacy of that tree enables those newer uh, younger trees um, or surrounding trees around it to begin to uh, grow and thrive and and you know benefit from the nutrients and it enriches the forest floor and I just think this is a beautiful way of looking at how you know the stories of people that have passed in our lives is just so important in own legacy and storytelling and how we can you know thrive off the qualities that we've learned from that person or maybe even thrive in the opposite direction so if you've had some kind of challenging relationship with that person before passing that actually using that legacy in some way to motivate you to uh, become a different person so you could use it both ways but legacy and the storytelling of that passing a morning you know is is an integral part of it and how that person's life or or this or the part of us that we've lost was purposeful or meaningful in your life at some point can be really really um powerful to kind of look at and explore as well around it she uh, related to the trees that were growing and how they were significant in really depicting her family circumstances from small sapling trees uh, that collected that represent the, the children within the family uh, through to those uh, adult trees and drawing on the different qualities to describe you know this person's more expansive and adventurous and you know this this tree's um sort of cowering over um the old aged tree wanting to uh, get all the nutrients out of it you know and, and and using that to explore the the dynamics that were going on in her family and the grieving process that were going on in the family and and how she could relate to that and uh yeah i i think that in the natural world you know um even looking at trees so as they grow old they uh begin to recognize that they can no longer sustain and replenish the the canopy of them and and they begin to get older and tireder um with with life i guess and existing and and uh begin to uh store and restore the energies down at the base of their trunk in some way and the top branches will start to fall off and obviously decompose and enrich the soil around them 
and slowly over time the wind blows parts of them away they the trunk their skin uh the bark might become more dilapidated um, and and over time they sort of become more disheveled um, until they finally either snap or fall or cease to really generate um, and and live um, in the woodland and you know they there's saplings around them the younger trees as they do this and recognize that this particular tree is as as ceased they're really um thriving off the legacy of that and you know you could, we could look at this in a really horrific and kind of brutal way but i invite you to kind of look at how when there is an old and fallen tree in a woodland how that legacy of that tree enables those newer uh, younger trees um or surrounding trees around it to begin to uh, grow and thrive and and you know benefit from the nutrients and it enriches the forest floor and I just think this is a beautiful way of looking at how you know the stories of people that have passed in our lives is just so important in own legacy and storytelling and how we can you know thrive off the qualities that we've learned from that person or maybe even thrive in the opposite direction so if you've had some kind of challenging relationship with that person before passing they're actually using that legacy in some way to motivate you to uh, become a different person so you could use it both ways but legacy and the storytelling of that passing and mourning you know is is an integral part of it and how that person's life or or this or the part of us that we've lost was purposeful or meaningful in your life at some point can be really really um powerful to kind of look at and explore as well so i also want to talk to you about screaming into the wind um so this might be a bit of a controversial uh exercise to endorse really but I think if you're in those stages of um, denial or anger or, you know, you're just frustrated and anguished by the situation of change that's happened, the grief that you're experiencing, you might have heard of a term pathetic fallacy. And this is um, really a way of describing attuning emotions to something non-human. So human emotions onto a non-human um, aspect. So unlike personification where you give human attributes to an object this is very much about aligning the emotions and this happens a lot in uh, film and in literacy where the pathetic fallacy of the environment around uh, characters or a scene is um, really sort of linked to the emotions so you might see this in stormy skies and then there's a conflict or a challenge or anguish in a scene or in, in in a book and you know you might or you might see that the um, the choppiness of the sea or the calmness of the sea equates to maybe a person's demeanor or the situation being calm and still and processed and you know I think that with grief sometimes you just can't make sense of it and you you've got all these emotions inside and you know you just kind of want to let it out and so there is a practice and I would highly encourage it not being in a busy place 
thought that it might be something that's really helpful for you to kind of go on a blustery day to a mountainside or in the silence of um, a woodland um, and this might take you really outside of your comfort zone but finding that space in nature be it with the emotions the prophetic fallacy around you or just in the silence of having something that's going to hold and take your your anguish um, with it so yeah have a go be free and in the wilderness and scream into the wind or cry silently in the wind and let the wind hit your face and dry your tears and allow your heart to release that and it is a deep practice in in doing that uh as i say it might feel quite outside of your comfort zone but nature is not judgmental it holds an epic massive space to release emotions kind of into and yeah all well and good if you time it on a stormy or a blustery day where everything can kind of equate to your mood but also help you to release that in some way as well so i want to move on to some exercises activities experiences whatever you want to call them some of the ways that you can bring nature into your grief process um in some way so i want to move on to some exercises activities experiences whatever you want to call them some of the ways that you can bring nature into your grief process um, in some way. So we've already talked about finding the pathway or finding the expansion of being and spending time in nature and kind of how you can connect with it. So I, I really endorse that becoming part of almost like your daily or weekly practice in a in a, in a um in a way of processing grief you know take yourself out into nature benefit from the space the freedom of other opinions or the kind of awkwardness um of how other people handle grief you know that in itself is a little bit of a dance isn't it as we find that different family members or friends are at different stages or perhaps people can't relate to the experience that you're having around your grief in some way but here are some other ways that you might actually like to use uh, nature and grief as well. Uh, nature for grief as well. So gardening or planting, having a memorial tree. There are a lot of, of um, forest schemes out there. And um, big shout out to Make It Wild over in North Yorkshire and a lot of funerals. Um, out there, funeral services out there who will offer tree dedications and memorial trees. Um, so these, that's something that you could do as part of the funeral um, process or it may be that you want to personalise this and um, perhaps have a tree or a memorial garden and just in processing that you don't have to even be green-fingered, you know, you might be like, I've never planted anything in my life before. But having that thing that represents grief, that gives you something to care and tend for, helps you with that kind of routine of, of, of being motivated to 
keep this thing thriving and representing the, the memories that you have for that particular person as well it may also be that like I said that you want to do some kind of uh, whether you call it a pilgrimage or an exploration or a journey and again whether you tap into mindfulness or you just use that as a process you know that you begin to think about maybe a, a, a longer walk that you might do in, in memory of that person or in allowing you to just go out and be in a space that enables you to to process the grief in some way as well. So another way that can be really helpful is to uh, find nature-based memories um, with your, uh, you know, of your loved one or uh, that relate to that part of you that you're really kind of grieving and, and want to... Um, understand and process those emotions that you have uh, as well in some way you might have a special place out in nature or just outside that is really um, you know poignant for you it's significant to this memory of change or loss or or together being you know part of each other as well and even in the more social side of things you might find that finding other people uh, like a walking group um, can be really really helpful you know taking steps there's something very very powerful in these metaphors that we use about um, taking steps forward connecting with others you know you look at but look back at the woodland or a nature space and there's an immense ecosystem of connection and um, interconnection with other species and other um, life forms that's there to enrich and enhance and help um, things to move and evolve and, and through connecting with each other in, in a, um, a walking group or even in a, a grief um, setting can be really really helpful as well so bring nature to you you know that whether it's watching inspirational challenging films that kind of make you really connect with life and possibility and inspire you in some way to think about the options that you have to go to that place of acceptance in some way and just in uh, there's loads of research about just in envisaging ourselves connected with these really really inspirational like epic nature spaces that you may have traveled to you may not have traveled to but that in itself is is uh, beneficial to reducing stress and uh, building us out of depression and inspiring us and motivating us to be focusing on the things that are alive and enriching um, within our life as well. So these can be really important ways that you might want to, um, you know, bring those things together and, and help you um, to process through it. So, um, you know, I notice the big and the small. It can feel massively detached, normal, as I talked about at the, at the beginning of this podcast. Isolating and we, brain does this weird filters where we delete stuff out of life. You know, we distort things to mean grief or death. Um we generalise that the feeling that we have right now is going to be the immersive feeling that we've got forever. And of course, you will know that that's not necessarily the case. 
so a really beautiful way of helping our mind bring itself back to that kind of here and now is to invite yourself to notice like the the small creatures the tiny weeny bits of detail and then the bigger expanses you know whether it's getting into astronomy or um you know looking at visual expanses outside in your local natural space as well it might be that you get like really like into your senses of connection with just being alive and and now so um digging soil up or placing your hands in um, a running flowing river and just being in that moment of like this is me alive can really help you to move through and move with grief remember this is not necessarily about trying to get rid of it this is about being comfortable uh, with the ever-changing feelings as miserable or upsetting as hard and misunderstood as they might be for you but just taking that moment to be like okay for two minutes today I actually felt something I felt alive and connected and I noticed a bird feeding from my bird feeder or there was a tiny caterpillar crawling past the wall as I walked to the supermarket you know and that might have been that one moment where you suddenly were like hang on a minute I'm connected with reality again this fuzzy head that many of us will experience through grief is, is, has gone intermittently and I found a piece of nature found something that just took me to the here and now where none of the grief really existed for a moment and and how precious that is in, in having that experience as well so yeah handling soil it also has massive benefits for us in terms of the nutrients that we observe uh, observe why can't i say that word absorb And I think that one of the things that, you know, on a personal level, and I always committed to share some my personal experiences of how nature uh, can benefit our well-being in some way in these in all different types of massive emotions is I certainly think that um, seeing death in a whole different light is massively beneficial for some people. So not seeing it as as the end in some way and this will relate you know depending on your religious or your spiritual beliefs of course you will have a different precedence around this but for me one of the things that helped was really understanding and even taking a bit of a um a, a you know scientific approach on the fact that suddenly realizing that you know we are atoms and particles in an expansive universe and that although some people and and you know loved animals and parts of me no longer exist in the here and now and the absence of them of course has a grief response and, and has had a grief process that in really seeing like life as as infinite and that atoms and, and people as connected um, could be really helpful for you you know and you just have to look to nature to see how everything is in, interconnected and in bringing ourselves back into that natural space we begin to open up our own horizons I guess around how we might perceive um, grief and I know for us that's 
my family that's been really helpful in terms of you know looking to the stars and the the my niece and nephew kind of figuring out which star their granddad is and um, in the sky and having that connection albeit it fictional perhaps for many of you but to have that relatedness with nature and remember nature is expansive all around us it's right through the universe down to those ecosystems all those little caterpillars and and creepy crawlies that I've talked about before that tiny seed that you hold in your hand that weeks later becomes a a beautiful flower that represents the vibrancy of the person that um, you once um, had in your life and loved and and having that image and that symbolism and that representation of that as well so have a go at some of those activities I'd love to hear your own activities that are nature-based and have helped you with um, grief and how you've drawn on that you know really does help others to share that we've all got our unique journeys um i could probably do a whole series of podcasts around um grief and the versions of grief that we have and how we process through that it's not linear you know look into those scenes of nature and find your meaning your narrative of of how grief is for you those those wandering paths or those uh falling uh leaves you know that strong mighty tree that holds on determined against all sorts of adverse weather you know that might represent you in some way as you journey your way through grief so i hope this podcast has been helpful for you there are plenty more where that came from an opportunity to explore your own wilderness mind and connect with nature and for enhancing your well-being as well you can find us on facebook and on our website www.wherethemindgrows.co.uk we offer coaching in nature uh, for individuals and teams enhancing people with their connection to nature coaching with a green conscience i've been jk thank you for listening listening to an episode of the wilderness mind brought to you by jk of where the mind grows coaching in nature with a green conscience you can find us on facebook and instagram at where the mind grows or visit our website at wherethemindgrows.co.uk follow this episode and our podcast the wilderness mind to keep track of our future and existing episodes as well Thank you for listening.